Good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome to the Politics Guys with your hosts, Dave Parson and Michael Baranowski. Welcome to the Politics Guys. I'm Michael Baranowski, a political scientist at Northern Kentucky University. My guest today is Steve Hilton, the founder of CrowdPack, which he created in 2014 to help reconnect regular people to politics by making it easier for everyone to learn about politicians, find and support candidates that match their beliefs, and even run for office. Now, prior to starting CrowdPack, Steve was the director of strategy for former UK conservative prime minister David Cameron. In addition to running CrowdPack, Steve teaches at Stanford University's Institute of Design, is a commentator for Fox News, and is the author of More Human, Designing a World Where, Where People Come First. Welcome to the show, Steve. It's great to be with you. Thank you. You know, uh, I guess I'll start with the most obvious question. Why did you start CrowdPack? Well, really, it came from a combination of the experiences I'd had working in politics and government in the UK and then around the world and realizing how it had just become more and more of a closed system where the insiders, both on the left and the right, those who know how the game works, who know how the funding of politics works, who know how to use the system to get the results that they want, had just taken more and more of the power to themselves, which left people who in theory were supposed to have the power, that's everyone else in a democratic system, really feeling that their voices were not being heard. And then when when we moved with our family to California, as you mentioned a couple of years ago, and I was teaching at Stanford and, and right there in the heart of entrepreneurial Silicon Valley, I thought, well, why don't I try and do something about it? And, um, and thought, well, this is the perfect time to try and um, use technology to really put power back in people's hands in a way that hasn't really been seen before, especially focusing on one of the main ways that the insiders assert control over the political system, and that's through money, through political contributions, through campaign donations. And that's, again, it's a completely nonpartisan issue. It's both You see this on the left and the right. You see the way that union uh, contributions drive the policy positions of candidates on the left, and you see how big business connections and contributions do that on the right. And so what we really started off um, with CrowdPack thinking was, what if we could create a platform that would make it easier for um, candidates to raise money, not from the same old big donors and the usual kind of insiders, but actually from the people so that they weren't beholden any longer to those concentrated interests. And also, if we created a platform that meant that new blood, new people who hadn't perhaps thought that they could play the game of politics and get in uh, through the usual party channels, could actually run for office either as independent candidates or even independent-minded candidates within the parties and raise their money from their friends and their networks and from people who supported their ideas without relying on the traditional fundraising machines. So that was really the idea, to create a platform, if you like, for crowdfunding politics rather than the corrupt donor-based funding that we see at the moment. That was the initial idea. And then we got going a couple of years ago, and along the way we've added a whole bunch of other uh, things that we feel useful for giving people power in, the, in our democracy, including objective information about candidates and the ability to organize campaigns. And there's a whole, whole set of things, but really it's all about one thing, which is giving power 
back to people, giving politics back to people and putting power directly in their hands. So, in a sense, kind of trying to level the playing field by making it easier for regular people to find causes and give the causes that matter to them. That's exactly right. That's a great, great way of putting it, leveling the playing field. And we understand that whilst a lot of people um, are very interested in many of the issues that um, drive political debate, they're probably a bit turned off by the political system itself. That's one of the reasons that the insiders have all the power is that they know that oftentimes politics can seem boring or complicated or off-putting with all the arguments. And so regular people just don't want to get involved. And, you know, and they're busy living their lives. They have their jobs and their families and their friends and, you know, all the other things that they're doing. And they do not want to spend loads of time you know, researching issues or candidates or whatever it may be. And so what, what technology can you, can do is really make all that simple and, and make it easy. Just as you've seen technology and data uh, really transform things in, in consumer marketplaces like, you know, booking a, a flight or a vacation or renting a car or shopping for anything you like on Amazon or wherever. Um, all those things have really been transformed by technology. And we're trying to bring that same kind of thinking to you, you, something which you could argue is much more important than all of those things, which is how our democracy works. Right. So let's say I'm interested in this, and, and I certainly am, and for our listeners who are, if they, you know, they're they're interested in following some issues or contributing some issues to some candidates, so they can go to CrowdPack and then use uh, go to the site and conduct searches and do filters and that sort of thing. Is is that right? Yeah, there's a number of ways you can use it. If you're, if you're interested in in finding a campaign, and by, by the word the word campaign for us is a bro- pretty broad term. It could mean the campaign of someone who's running for office, or it could be um, an issue-based uh, campaign that's not connected with elected office. So I'll give you a couple of examples. There was there's a campaign that's recently been set up, very successful, raised I think close to fifty thousand dollars in a very short space of time by a bunch of young people in in Washington D.C. who uh, wanted to organize and and, and create a physical place where people could fight Trump. So if you're interested in fighting Trump, they would create a a physical base for the resistance, as they call it, where they can help train activists in how to fight the president, if that's the particular side of the fence that you're on. So that's not really a political campaign. It's something, it's not an elected office, but it's still a political campaign. So you can go to crowdpack.com and you'll see, if you click campaigns, you'll see filters exactly as you said, focusing on different issues. Then you can start to look for campaigns that might match your priorities. We're a non-partisan site. You'll see all sorts of different campaigns there from different sides of the spectrum. And that is a really good way for you to get started and, and find out what's going on. Um, and as you know, with every week, with there are more campaigns listed on there, we're improving our products and adding new features the whole time. So it's worth checking in regularly to see what's there and following our Twitter feed and so on. We're um, at CrowdPack on Twitter that's a great way to keep in touch with what's going on. Um, so that's that's one way that people can engage right away. But another really important thing that, that is that is a really big part of why we started the company, and we touched on it earlier, is actually this idea that you know we, we, we should be it should be easier to run for office. It shouldn't be this big barrier that means that only the professional politicians get to run for office. We've tried to make that whole process really simple. And when, when you people hear the term run for office, maybe they think 
well, that's just not for me. You know, I'm never going to run for Congress or presidency or whatever. Actually, there are so many offices that you can run for in your local area that's a, that are a great way of getting into politics without that kind of huge off-putting commitment. I mean, there's around half a million elected positions in America and anything from local school board to city council, there's just so many things that you can do that that are a great way to see if politics is for you, to see if this is a way that you want to make an impact. And, And what we've designed is really, I know this term is overused, but this is literally unique. There's nowhere else you can do this, which is, Start a fundraising campaign on CrowdPack for a potential run for office where you're just testing the waters. You haven't decided whether you're um, definitely going to make a run and announce as an official candidate. Maybe you just want to see if you've got the support to see if you can raise a bit of money and get a campaign going. You just want to test the waters. We've made that really easy. You can go and create a campaign where people can give you pledges of support that only converts into actual donations if you actually officially announce. So it's a great way for you to see if you've got the support before going through all that complicated paperwork of registering as a candidate and, and going and doing all that stuff that, that can be really off-putting. It's a great way to start the process. So if you go to crowdpack.com and click run for office, you'll see that that process is incredibly simple. You can either do it yourself if you're interested in running for office or if anyone is listening and thinking, well, it's not for them, but maybe they know someone in their community or their circle of friends or at work who they've always thought would be a really great political candidate but has never done anything about it. You can also nominate someone and do it for them. And, and again, see if they have the support, um, pledge on uh, a fundraising campaign and, and literally like any other crowdfunding campaign that people might be familiar with like Kickstarter or Indiegogo or GoFundMe, your card is only charged if the candidate actually declares, if the condition is met that they are going to actually officially run. So it's a great way to get started if you're just kind of thinking about it but haven't made your mind up for sure. Yeah, that that sounds like a – when I first saw it, that was one of the first things that came to mind for me is it seemed a lot like – it seemed a lot like Kickstarter or Patreon or something like that. And taking that and bringing it into politics, I thought, wow, that's brilliant. Um, Well, I appreciate it. I mean, we we really are excited about it. We're seeing lots of – especially since the election, to be honest, a lot of – People just d- d- taking advantage of that of that feature on our site, and 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 you know over a hundred can- candidates have now declared for for all sorts of different offices, ranging from the local up to congressional. I mean, we've we've got a whole range of different people on there raising money and getting started who are just not the usual type of political insider, and it really shows that that people can get. Um, into politics it doesn't just have to be the insiders we really can give power back to people and 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 that's why i'm so thrilled about the response that we've seen so far so far and i just think that um there's so much more to go because so much further to go because as i said there's just so many offices that people could contest um and i think this run for office idea i hope could really catch on you know, one of the things I noticed that I really liked on the site was that for, for most candidates, CrowdPack assigns a, an ideological score to them. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how that score is developed and how it's used by the site to help match people. Yeah, well, it's interesting because one of my co-founders, Adam Boniker, is a professor of political science at Stanford. And 
Um, when we, when I was just developing the idea for CrowdPack, and I, one of the problems that I was, I was, I was thinking about was if we want CrowdPack to be a place where any citizen can find a candidate or a campaign or a cause that they might want to support. How do we give them good information about what those campaigns are? How do we try and um, connect them with the the campaigns they might want to support using some kind of objective recommendation based on on data rather than political, um, a, a sort of subjective political view? And that's when I came across Adam and his work. And, and from an academic point of view, he'd, he'd been researching for many years how you could give citizens objective information about political candidates, truly objective, based on the data that was out there, based on publicly available information about political candidates. And so he spent years researching the different alternatives, for example, looking at voting records. Would that be a good way of telling people about candidates? Well, kind of, but actually there's a lot of problems with voting records whether you're looking at the congressional voting record or state legislative records, because actually for a lot of those voting records are kind of manipulated by the political parties to send a message. They're often voting on things that are incredibly complicated or don't really have any real world impact. They're just kind of, they're almost like a sort of press release to make a political point. And in any case, a voting record is only useful if the candidate has actually been elected and is taking votes. So that immediately rules out new candidates and challengers. It also rules out executive positions like governor or, 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 um, or mayor, where actually you don't vote on anything. You're, 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 you're still running for office, but you're not, you don't have a voting record. So that's the typical way that data is used to try and inform voters about candidates. And we've seen a lot of those kinds of things over the years, but it's pretty unsatisfactory. So Adam, my co-founder, was looking around for what else might be a good guide, and he started investigating money, uh, the donations information. And the good news is that because of transparency laws, the data about who gives what to which candidates is incredibly rich, and it goes back decades. And what Adam has done is take literally every single record of a, of a political contribution that has publicly been reported since 1980. And he's turned that into a giant database and applied the best data science thinking to it and a whole bunch of algorithms to look at the patterns of which donors contribute to which candidates and what that can tell us about the candidates. And a result, as a result of all of that, he's basically developed an objective way of giving voters information about the political ideology of candidates based on the who their donors are and also who the candidates themselves have given to over the course of their career. And that's what we've taken, all that complicated data analysis, and turned it into a very simple uh, scoring system where we give every candidate a rating based on their publicly available data, most importantly their donors. Um, on a simple score where zero uh, is in the middle and as you can go 10 in either direction, 10L would be the most liberal and 10C the most conservative. And we apply that to every candidate running for office at every level, uh, federal, state and local. And actually all we need is a, is a couple of donations given either to or by the candidate to give you a pretty good guide as to where they stand politically. So that's another really interesting feature of our site that you can't see anywhere else is this 
rating of, of candidates based on of all candidates, not just those who've been in office before, um, based on their donors. Yeah, I thought that was really fascinating. I clicked around a lot to check out various ratings and so forth. You know, one other thing I noticed is people who come to the site can actually get a, a sort of a rating of themselves. You have a, a, a political personality quiz that people can take. It's a, a 21 questions and it assigns you one of eight political personality types. Uh, I took it, it 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 said I'm a harmonious liberal, which seemed to me pretty spot on. And, and so I was wondering why, why you developed this and, you know, where you think it kind of fits in with what you're doing. Well, where that originated actually was that when was from, we're, we're, our plan is to be a worldwide uh, platform for political participation and action, not, not just in the US. And so we, you know, we're still a, a small, young startup, but we're already uh, operating in a couple of other countries, and we in, in, uh, we launched uh, in a very small way in the UK last year, and and this year just recently in France, where there's a big presidential election going on, and in the UK we launched just before the big Brexit vote last year, and the specific thing that we produced the the the, the product that we produced for that was in response to what we were hearing from from voters in that Brexit referendum campaign, where they were really suspicious of the campaigns on both sides, both the leave the EU and the stay in the EU campaigns. People were saying that it's all propaganda, it's all over the top, the claims are ridiculous. They don't know how to make their minds up. They were looking for some kind of objective, kind of you know sober way of deciding this really important question. And so we produced a data-driven guide to the Brexit vote. And that, that was based, the basis of the questionnaire you see on our site today. Well, we, th- we using data and other techniques, we, we produce a sort of 20-odd question survey. And the original version of it, the outcome of that was to tell you whether you should vote in or out uh, in terms okay. of the Brexit vote. Yeah. And not just in or out, but actually, because it's a finely judged decision, you know, how strongly you felt. You know, right. are you 100% out or more like 55? You know, it's, it's a more, you know, ju- a sort of finely balanced judgment. And so... That we found, had a huge, huge success. You know, we had over a million people using that in a very short space of time in the UK. It went viral. It was a really big success, and in fact, accurately predicted the result of the Brexit vote in a way that none of the opinion polls did, because there was so many people taking it. It was a good uh, reflection of the um, of, of of the of people's voting intentions that was missed missed by all the opinion polls. So we thought, well, that's really interesting. People are obviously um, interested in taking these political personality tests that uh, are actually thoughtful and intelligent. They're not just you know, flippant and, and simplistic. They actually ask you quite difficult questions in a way about your political priorities and where you stand in order to help you make a political decision. And so we thought, well, we can re, you know, use that here, in, here in, in the States for all sorts of things, partly for things that are kind of fun, like the questionnaire that you did, but actually, during the election campaign, we used it to help you figure out who you should vote for, not just in the presidential election, but all the way down the ballot. So the answers to those questions could then allow us to make recommendations in terms of who's the best match for you for state legislature and for Congress and, and so on. And over time, we think that that survey is going to be a really great way for us to, if you like, personalize political recommendations. So based on what you've told us in terms of your political interests and priorities, we can then suggest to you 
candidates and campaigns that you might want to get involved in or look at or that might help you take action on the issues that you care about. Right. You know, you mentioned the Brexit vote, and obviously the Brexit vote was one of two big political earthquakes uh, in in recent history, right? The other one being the election of of Donald Trump. And I, I noticed that before the U.S. presidential election, you were interviewed by Bloomberg News, and you said that there was a high chance that the polls were wrong. And and so I'm wondering, well, what did you see that all those polling organizations missed? Well, I think that, you know, to, to be kind of a little bit more partisan now in the analysis, I think that there's um, there's a real um, – one of the things that was true in the Brexit campaign that was also true in the, in the, in the presidential campaign here was that the um, – was two things. First of all, the media coverage of those campaigns – Run, I would say, and I use—I know this is a term that people, you know, they say, well, what does it really mean, and everything. But I think people kind of understand what we mean. The media establishment and the political establishment in both cases really demonized the voters on the other side, and so you saw in the Brexit campaign anyone who supported Brexit um, being routinely described as someone who was bigoted, racist wanted to shut off Britain from the world, that kind of thing. Pretty similar to the kind of way in which many who supported Trump, not, not everywhere, but certainly in, the, in, the, um, in, in, the, in a lot of the TV media, and you saw it, of course, in Hillary Clinton's own comments about the basket of deplorables, this notion that, that if you supported Trump, you were some kind of racist or bigot, that was pretty widely felt. And that meant that people who were on the Brexit side or on Trump's side often didn't want to talk about it. There was a sort of shaming going on that I think contributed very, very specifically to the underreporting of the support for Brexit or and the support for Trump. That's the first thing. The second thing is that for both of those of those elections, I think what you saw was people who for many years had completely given up on the political system because they feel that, and this is, you know, it's still true, I think, that whoever is elected, nothing much seems to change in their lives. And you particularly see that in the US. Well, I think one of the most important pieces of data about the whole election last year was was reported just before the election, I think in October, by the um, Census Bureau, which is the, the income figures for American households. And there's a lot of attention paid to the fact that last year, and this came out just before the election, incomes rose right across the board for the first time since the Great uh, Recession. And then and everyone said, well, isn't that good news? Incomes are up. That's great. Of course, it is great. But when you look at the long-term picture, even including last year's increase, the median income in America was still lower than in 1999. In other words... People have had eight years of Bush, eight years of Obama, and they are earning less at the end of it than at the beginning. And so it's no wonder that they have this complete plague on both your houses, rejection of all politicians, because they kind of say, look, it doesn't matter whether we have a Bush, Obama, Democrats, Republicans, who no, it doesn't matter. Our life, we literally get poorer while the rich get richer, which is not just a slogan. That is the actual data. And similarly in the UK, 
there's a whole group of people who felt, you know, it doesn't matter who you elect. Our lives don't change. We don't have jobs. Our communities are getting broken up. Crime is on the increase. You know, the, London is doing great, but the rest of the country is not. And so you had all these people who felt that nothing was going to change and who had stopped voting, who didn't um, go to the polls for any election because they thought it made no difference. Then along comes the Brexit vote and along comes Trump. And those people, I think, in those two different votes thought, you know what, maybe this really will make a difference. At last, something might change. With the Brexit vote, I don't know, maybe if we leave the European Union, then we'll finally get some change. Same here with Trump. He's not a politician. He's different. If we vote for him, maybe at last something will change. We don't really know what it will be, but at least how much worse can it get? And I think that, therefore, the polling companies, literally, they base their data on previous voters. And so people who have not have been out of the electorate for the last few cycles or longer are literally not picked up in their voting models. So I think that's the second reason they missed, missed the vote. And I saw that happen with Brexit. And I thought, you know, what? I think exactly the same thing is going on here with Trump. Yeah. You know, uh, recently, uh, a week or so ago on, on Fox, you said something I thought was really interesting. You said that the political and media establishment are getting 2017 just as wrong as they got 2016. And, and I was I was hoping maybe you could expand on that a little bit here. Yeah, I think it's it's actually very much related to what we've just been discussing, which is that the um, I think there are plenty of valid criticisms you could make. Of, of the new administration about how they've handled things and so on. I think that's perfectly reasonable. But I think the, the tone and level of the um, coverage that you see pretty much uh, throughout um, media organizations and on the TV, New York Times and so on, the, what's, I, I don't really like the phrase mainstream media, but I think let's just use it for now because I think people understand roughly what it means. The, the kind of hysterical coverage, and I think that word is, is completely appropriate, you know, that this is, we're heading towards a kind of fascist state, and so, because we have a president that um, ignores, you know, that, 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 that introduces executive orders that are then deemed to be illegal. Well, President Obama introduced many executive orders that were found to be illegal by the courts. Um, and so, there's, you know, the, the, I think that the, the way that the media are reporting on this administration it shows exactly the same kind of contempt for Trump and all his supporters and his whole agenda that was in evidence during the campaign. And I think in exactly the same way, they're missing the big story, which is that actually, um, despite many missteps and, and despite many things I would certainly criticize him for, you know, he's, he's actually doing what he promised to do and is, and is still got big support around the country. Pretty much every poll shows that it's a pretty evenly divided country as it was at the election and half the country supports what he's doing. But you wouldn't be able to discern that from the media coverage just as during the election campaign. If you'd have listened to the media coverage, you'd have thought that Trump, that Hillary Clinton would win in a landslide because it would be inconceivable that anyone would vote for this monster called Donald Trump. And I think that's the same kind of thing is going on right now. Soon after the election, you saw a couple of the um, media outlets. I, I remember the New York Times, for example, doing a bit of a mea culpa saying, you know, we obviously missed something. Our reporting wasn't good enough. They had a weekend, I think, when they sent out correspondents to, to report on this strange foreign land called, you know, the Middle America. Right. Yeah. Um, and and uh, that didn't last very long. It seems to me they're right back where they were. They cannot believe that Trump won. They're angry that he won. They're angry with the voters that he won. And and they're going, you know, way beyond what I think would be a reasonable um, 
uh, holding a, to account of the administration, which is what they should do. Of course, they should report on errors and missteps. But I think that the tone and the, and the scale of it is just completely disproportionately um, wrong, just as the coverage of the campaign was. And I think that in the end, it will produce the same kind of result, which is um, if you if you looked at if you look at the obviously it's very very early to predict what will happen over the course of the next four years. But right now, if you if you have to sort of look at the media coverage, uh, just as in last year, you'd you'd have predicted a landslide for Hillary Clinton. Right now, you'd look at the media coverage and think, well, the, the Republicans are completely they've had it. You know, they're going to lose Congress in 2018. There's no chance that Trump could be reelected. He'll be he'll be impeached or whatever it is before then. Um, actually, I think that that is way off. And this, uh, this kind of error by the media, I think, could possibly be giving that I think the real political angle here is that it's actually, uh, it's actually removing the pressure for the Democratic Party to do what it really needs to do, which is deeply understand the reasons why it lost. Because of course, it it wasn't just Trump that beat uh, Clinton, you could argue about the popular vote and so on. The really significant thing you could say about last year's election was the way that uh, Democrats lost right down the ballot. Nothing to do with Trump. They lost the Senate, the House, state houses, governors, races, state legislatures, right the way down the ballot. Why did that happen? You can't blame all that on the Russians <laughs> or on Trump or whatever. And I think that the the the, the, the kind of um, you know the the the, the kind of uh, the enjoyment that the media is currently having at, at sort of reporting so negatively on Trump means that they're not getting into the really difficult work of trying to understand what went wrong and why the Democrats have clearly lost touch with so many people yeah. right across the country. Well, it, it sounds to me in a way that a lot of what you're doing at CrowdPack is ties into some of the themes you talk about in your book, More Human, where, where it seems to me the big argument is right that we have increasingly designed a world that is not responsive to regular people and that we need to make some hard decisions and do some things to to to, to fix that well, yeah i mean and, and crowdpack is part of that because i think that right right across the you know realm of things that we think about in terms of public policy so the, in the economy and government and politics and in our society i think that what you the, the real characteristic that of why things have gone wrong is this concentration of power. And you've seen that in politics, as we discussed earlier, with fewer and fewer big donors basically pulling the strings and concentrating power uh, in our political system. But you see it too in the economy with the, you know, corporations getting bigger and bigger, swallowing up smaller ones, closing them down, causing the kind of industrial um, dislocation that you're seeing, particularly in in the Rust Belt, where obviously, obviously Trump did surprisingly well for those who hadn't been following what's going on. I think that that what ties together all of these things: the vote for Trump, the vote for Brexit, the way that people have dis, got disillusioned with politics, is this sense of the loss of power and control over the things that matter to them. It doesn't matter what they say or do; nothing really changes. All these kind of weird rules are applied. They're sort of bureaucratic approaches through you know not, it isn't just in government it's in the way you have to deal with your utility or your bank or your airline there's an impossibility of ever kind of you know speaking to someone you get these terrible customer service it's it's all because as a result of, of the sort of mega mergers that have been allowed to go on 
the people making the decisions are far removed from the people who are affected by them. And so you have these endless bureaucratic processes all in the name of efficiency that kind of lose sight of the human dimension. And so I think that it, it really, what, what, what we really need, now I'm straying into my personal views, obviously crowd we're we're completely non-partisan, so we 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 kind of, we our technology is there for anyone to use for whatever agenda that they want to pursue. My personal agenda would be that we need to break up these concentrations of power. Um, we need to devolve responsibility over huge areas of government, not just from the federal level to the state level, but from the state. But yes, that. But then beyond that, to towns and cities and neighbourhoods where people can really control the things that matter to them in a very direct and meaningful way, but also in the economy. We need to break up these giant corporations, not just stop things like the recently proposed merger between Kraft Heinz and Unilever, but break up these giant companies that have absolutely no connection with local communities or or the people that work for them. And so I think that there's a massive revolution needed, a structural revolution to, to disperse power and put it back in people's hands, both in government and the economy. Yeah. Um, geez, I could, I would love to talk to you at length about that. I know we're running a little bit short, a little bit long. So if I could just one final question, uh, it's, it's something I'd like to ask everyone I talk to. Uh, what recommendations do you have for listeners who want to become better and more, you know, more deeply informed about politics? Where would you suggest they go? I mean, aside from CrowdPack, obviously. I think this, the, the first thing I would say is, Listen to, read, and watch both sides. I think that that's the sort of simplest thing I can suggest. Um, I think that you know, just in, in just in I, one thing, I found very valuable in 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 you know, I obviously moved here from the UK quite recently, and I, I run a business that is focused on on America primarily, and 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 I'm sort of deeply involved in the US political system. And I found it incredibly helpful to try and read both sides, see both sides. I, every day I watch a bit of Fox, I sometimes appear on it, but I watch a bit of Fox and I watch MSNBC. I read the New York Times, but I also read the Wall Street Journal. I, I enjoy reading both sides. I think it's really important. Um, people are limited in time, so they, they, can't, they can't you know spend all day long consuming media. But I think that just really make an effort to, to hear both sides, I think is very important because I think particularly on the left, what, again, this is a partisan point, but I think you've seen a massive failure of empathy from people who have very comfortable lives on, you know, on, on, the, on, the, in, in the, on the coasts of our country um, where things are going really well and, and business is booming and there's plenty of jobs and opportunity and incomes are high and so on. There's a real failure to empathize with what's going on in the rest of America. And I think that um, that's one of the things that, that I could recommend is just to sort of make the effort to watch, listen to, and read both sides of politics. Um, and then I think that they should use crowdpack.com <laughs> uh, to inform themselves about candidates, but more importantly, to get involved yeah. and actually um, make, make a contribution because there's, there's, not, there's nothing stopping anyone who's listening to this from getting involved and actually making a difference than, than their own uh, feeling of... of uh, the ability to act. You can do it. You can act. And we've tried to make it simple for you. So I think that is the, the, the sort of single thing I'd want to leave people with is just to go to our site and just play around with it and, and, and just get started. And there's no risk from doing it. You know, we've tried to make it so that particularly with the running for office thing, which we talked about, which I'm really passionate about right now, we've tried to make it so that there's no downside. 
you can have a go. If you don't get any support, fine. So what? You, you've had a go. It hasn't cost you anything except a little bit of time. Um, but you never know. It could lead to something really great. And so I'd, I'd urge everyone to get involved if they if they um, if they have enjoyed sort of listening to us discuss these issues. Well, the time is now to actually get on with it and 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 do it yourself. Yeah, well, I think that's I think that's really great advice. And on that great advice, we will we will close. Steve Hilton, thank you so much for talking to me today. It's a pleasure. Thank you very much. That's it for this Politics Guys interview. Thanks for listening. If there's someone you'd like to hear us interview on the show, or if you have any thoughts, questions, comments, or criticisms, we'd love to hear from you. Our email is mail at politicsguys.com. Our Facebook page, where we post throughout the week, is facebook.com slash politicsguys page. And we're also on Twitter, at politicsguys. We'd really appreciate it if you could subscribe to the show and leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever podcast service you use. And sharing and retweeting our new show posts and tweets also helps out a lot. If you'd like to support the show financially, you can do that through Patreon or PayPal. You'll find links on our website. And if you enjoy the show, you should check out the Politics Guys weekly newsletter. You can take a look at previous newsletters and sign up to have it delivered to your email inbox on our website, politicsguys.com. We'll be back with a new show next Wednesday. We hope you'll join us.